This episode is sponsored by the Learn Jazz Standards Inner Circle. If your goal is to level up your jazz playing this year and feel confident improvising over jazz standards, the Inner Circle has everything you need and more. With monthly jazz standard studies, a library of powerful courses, and a vibrant community of like-minded musicians, you're guaranteed to improve your playing every single month. Podcast listeners can get 50% off their first month when you go to ljsinnercircle.com. That's ljsinnercircle.com or find the link in the show notes. Now, on to today's episode. In my personal opinion, one of the hardest things to teach in jazz is comping. Now, if you're a guitar player, a piano player, or a vibes player, you kind of understand that comping is kind of hard to put a method to, hard to put inside of a box. There's so many different things that are involved in comping. And if you're a saxophone player, or a trumpet player, or any horn player, I don't want you to tune this episode out because, indeed, it is also important for you to understand the art of comping. However, I, today, on the podcast, will give you three important things that you need to keep in mind as a comper when you're accompanying other musicians on the bandstand over jazz standards. I'm excited for this. Hope you are too. Let's jump right to it. Welcome to the LJS Podcast, where you get weekly jazz tips, interviews, stories, and advice for becoming a better jazz musician. And now your host, he's a jazz musician, author, and entrepreneur, Brent Bartstra. Hey, what's up, everybody? Brent here from LearnJazzStandards.com, which is a blog, a podcast, and videos all geared towards helping you become a better jazz musician. Thanks so much for listening today. Thank you, all the regular listeners. If this is your first time listening to the show, welcome. Uh, this is the show where I teach you how to become a better jazz musician. No matter where you are in your musical growth, I'm here to help you. I'm here to serve you week after week, whether it be here on the podcast or my blog or my YouTube channel or my courses, anything that you're involved with with jazz standards so thank you once again like i said comping is not easy to teach Uh, i don't uh usually focus on things that tend to you know isolate other instruments because here in learn jazz standards we have uh you know musicians that are playing all instruments you know horn players comping instruments even drummers singers all sorts of people playing different things and while it may seem today that i'm really you know focusing here on guitar players and piano players and other people that accompany and have chordal instruments Um, This does not rule out, of course, any instruments because there are important things to keep in mind here. And also, I would challenge the horn players today to think about how you can use some of these things that involve comping in your actual own playing or in certain situations where you could be actually a comper accompanying somebody else. All right. So let's dive into this today. Uh, I hope, by the way, just to say this before I jump into the content, I hope you and your family are keeping safe and keeping healthy, staying indoors, uh, making sure. I know this is a this is a rough time here in the world with uh, the uh, COVID nineteen virus. So I just want to say from uh, from my family to yours, keep safe, keep healthy, um, and keep playing music because that's what's going to get us through all this stuff. Is uh, just diving in to things that matter most to us. And I know for a lot of you, uh, music matters. All right. So I just wanted to say that before we got started. Now let's jump right into it. Now, the first thing I want to talk about when it comes to comping, before I go into the three things I want you to focus on as a comper, is one of the biggest mistakes I see amateur and novice compers make. And that is treating their comping as if it's time for them to show the world all of the cool hip chord voicings and all the different stuff that they can do on their instrument. 
So for example, you know, you might, you know, check out this cool flat five voicing and then, you know, check out this cool voicing, this cool voicing, and maybe this, you know, pianistic voicing if you're a guitar player and you think that's impressive and then maybe this dissonant you know sharp 11 voicing and you know it becomes this thing where it's really about you and what you can do rather than who it really should be for and that is the soloist or the other musicians you're playing with after all comping is just short for accompaniment okay and what is accompaniment accompaniment is every single time a supportive role. It's not a me role. It's not a I'm on the spotlight role. It's it's an accompaniment role. It's a supportive role. Now, if I'm playing solo guitar, right? I, then I can start doing whatever I want. I can accompany myself however I want, right? So that's a little bit of a different story. But when we're talking about accompanying, accompanying, accompanying other people, it's all about them. It's not about you. Okay. So I want you to get that in your head uh, first. That that this is about a supportive role. It's not about what you can do. It's about making the other musicians and the other musician soloist sound really, 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 really good. All right. I hope I made my point there. Okay. So let's go over number one. The first main thing you need to keep in mind while you're comping is that you are rhythmic timekeeping. Now, timekeeping. Timekeeping is obviously you have time going by on, on a song or a form, and you're playing rhythms that support the time, that help give supporting feeling of the feel of the time so that the soloist can feel comfortable over the time and 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 you're you're really adding to what the drummer and the bass player are doing you know the bass player and the drummer you can call them the primary timekeepers but we're all timekeepers including horn players right but this is where you get to really shine as an accompanist and really support the groove that's going on so I'm going to play a little drum track here. I'm just going to show comping over a blues. And what I'm going to do is just go over some different rhythms, some very basic stuff that you can start working on to practice rhythmic accompanying. Okay? All right. The first one is what people call the Charleston. quarter with an eighth note at the end. Now let's try doing the end of two. Thank mm-hmm. you. 
so in that particular case, that was a little bit trickier because I was actually anticipating the next chord in the progression, right? The and of four. So instead of hitting on beat one, I was hitting the and of four. So that's a little trickier. But you see how rhythm can start playing a great part. Let's just start, uh, let's just try some random comping with different rhythms. Rhythms is the first place to start with, and to keep in mind that you are always rhythmic timekeeping. Does that make sense? So you can practice different, you know, hits on different beats to start to get yourself into that feeling of being a rhythmic timekeeper, and then you can start mixing and matching and practicing on your own. Okay, but this is really only one side of the coin here, because, right, I mean, this is simply just me playing rhythms, but I'm not really focusing on what's happening with a soloist, okay? So now I regret to say that I don't have a soloist with me to for me to truly spontaneously feed back on, but I kind of just want to maybe play uh, a little bit and do my utmost best to pretend that I'm singing a solo and responding to it and thinking about my accompaniment in that. So if this is the first time you're ever listening to the podcast, it will probably be the last time you listen to it. You'll be so upset with my singing and the attempt of this. But for those of you who are regular listeners, I know that you'll forgive me, and I hope that this illustrates the point here. So number two is supportive harmony. Supportive harmony. So like I said, we're always supporting the soloist or the other musicians that are playing. That is our role. So it's not good enough just to simply play rhythms over top of the time. We need to be opening our ears up wide and listening for what the soloist is playing, right? Now, this is especially important for those of you who get a little bit comp uh, crazy. And what I mean by that is you're just playing as much as possible, right? Like... was a little sloppy but i think you get the point just never stopping to play now remember this isn't about you this is about the soloist so let me do my best attempt here to kind of explain what i mean by that uh so let's try this out Badoo <laughs> 
right. Again, so if you can just ignore the fact that that was bad singing and I wasn't hitting all the pitches right and also I was accompanying myself, the point here is that I wasn't comping the whole time. And you could hear that my comping was in response to what I was playing, right? So, right? And so it's a lot of call and response stuff. And it's a lot of just listening with my ears. That doesn't mean you can't be playing the whole time, right? doesn't mean that um, you can't be playing beautiful melodies in the background, but it always has to be supportive. And one of the most powerful uh, moments of comping that I ever heard in my life um, is back when I lived in Seattle. I lived there for a year, my first year of college. And there's a great jazz club there in Seattle called Jazz Alley. And I went to see... Nat Cohen, she's a clarinet player for those you don't know, and I think it was Peter Washington, and the drummer is escaping right now, but it was Benny Green on piano. Now, Benny Green is um, just, he was in the Jazz Messengers for a little bit, you know, he's played with Ray Brown. I mean, he's, in case you don't know Benny Green, you should check him out. But um, I remember the first tune that they played, after the head was done, Anat Cohen started taking a solo and it was a great solo but here's the thing about what benny was doing he like would plop one chord down like and then he would just be listening to a not play and all of a sudden he'd hear her stop for a second and it'd be like oh right he play something again and he always would be like putting stuff in that only made sense to what she was playing to the point where like he actually didn't comp for her for a very long time <laughs> or he would just go like plop or plop 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 right he would just do little rhythmic ornaments because he just was listening to what she was doing and waiting for a great opportunity to play something back now that's not always how it needs to work however it was a great example of me of what great comping can look like when it really is about the soloist and not yourself Okay, so that's number two, add supportive harmony, supportive harmony. Okay, um, number three, uh, this is important, logical voice leading. Make sure you have logical voice leading. Now, I'll say that this is um, maybe a bit more of a transgression of guitar players than piano players, but guitar players um, sometimes tend to just think about voicings rather than how to melodically connect them together. So, you know, maybe you're playing this voicing here, and then you go and you play this E flat here, and then you play this B flat voicing back there, and then you play this E flat voicing here, or this one, sorry, <laughs> that E flat voicing, and then you play this B flat voicing here, and then you play this G voicing here, like you see the point, like these don't have anything to do with each other. They're just random voicings that don't work together. So first we needed to identify, to define rather what voice leading is. So voice leading is the logical movement of inner voices. So in other words, how do you resolve chord tones most logically to each other in a melodic way? So if I have a B flat voicing like this and I'm trying to get to 
this voicing of E flat seven. Now I know you, you, guitar players, you can't see what I'm doing and we don't have the notation up, but it's more about what you're hearing. So listen to this. So I'm trying to go from the one chord to the four chord, right? So I'm gonna go. See what I just did there? I just chromatically connected those together. So, and then up a diminished, and I'll go up a, uh, a, mi a minor third there to the next diminished inversion. And then I'm listening to this top voice, and I think I want to go up here to the to the ninth here on this B flat one chord voicing. So check that out. I'll do that again. hear how that sounded do you see how that like melodically connected together so now i'm here on this one chord and we're going to the four chord so now i can go okay do you see how i did that a little chromatic down to an e flat seven voicing that's the one chord we're in b flat did i mention we were in b flat i hope i did <laughs> Oh, whoops. Okay, to that E flat voicing, and then, um, okay, diminished. We'll go a minor third down, two. Okay, so check that out. So I went E flat seven to, uh, oh, what am I doing? E flat seven to the E diminished, a minor third down. That's the top note. And then a half step down to this B flat 13, okay? And now I wanna go down further because I'm kind of melodically going down now to this G7 voicing here, that's the sixth chord. And now I'm gonna go to this C minor seven and then this, this is an F7 alt chord and then to this, uh, whoops, B flat seven. Screwing up all over the place. So let me kind of like go through what I just did there again so we can hear it. So one chord. that way but the point is is that there's always this melody note on top right uh, whoops see how I did that now that's just one example and that was something thought out now in the moment you know you might be doing different things and different choices maybe the bass player is soloing down really low and you don't want to be in a lower register right maybe he's doing something 
and then you so you decide you want to go up higher. So it's not a rule that everything has to connect together, but you want to be thinking about how to musically connect your chords so that you're indeed playing melodies when you're playing chords. So you're thinking about not only that top note, you're thinking about the other notes in the chord and how they're resolving. So it can be really helpful as a comper um, to actually practice out some different ways you can voice lead chords together. And that way, um, when you actually go to improvise this, it comes more naturally to you to connect stuff together in a melodic fashion rather than just playing different voicings. Does that make sense? So let's quickly review what I just talked about today in this episode. So number one is you want to be a rhythmic timekeeper, okay, a rhythmic timekeeper. So think about how you're outlining the time in a rhythmic way to improve on the groove. I like that, improve on the groove. Number two is supportive harmony. So you want to be supporting the soloist with harmony, right? So kind of my bad example of me singing and accompanying myself, right, I'm responding to myself with my comping rather than playing over top of my soloing. Got that? Does that make sense? And then number three, logical voice leading. So make sure the voicings that you're playing are actually playing something melodic as well. We don't want them to be random voicings. We want them to be musical. So what I want you to do is try practicing any one of those three things this week and see where you go. And if you're a horn player, I want you to practice doing this as well. You can do this with single note lines. You can do this with arpeggios. You can do a lot of different things, but it's going to be very helpful for your playing to start thinking like a comper as well. All right, that's all for today's episode. Thanks for listening. I hope that helped you guys out. Do appreciate everybody for listening. I do indeed. Hey, by the way, I mentioned this in last episode and I uh, kind of want to talk about it again. And that is that we are going to be um, launching in a couple months here our Inner Circle membership, the LGS Inner Circle membership. I'm really excited about this. Me and the team have been working on it for a long time and kind of just want to let you know that it's coming. And I, I just firmly believe it's something that you're, you're going to want to consider being involved in. And we are going to be launching it to a group of founding members um, uh, pretty soon here, actually, to get some people in, in, in there and, and given some feedback and um, some different things like that. But, you know, it's going to be a really exciting program. And some of the things that are inside of this membership is um, what we call the Jazz Standard Club, which is a monthly study of a jazz standard with etudes and resources and chords analysis and a video and a community where we can jam with each other and show each other what we're doing over it. Um, there's access to all premium LGS courses, so 30 Steps to Better Jazz Playing, Jazz Blues Accelerator, uh, all of our ebooks and companion courses, all that included, a library of 101 courses. Um, that uh, we are continually building up here, which is really exciting. Um, and then really excited about the community. And I mentioned that Learn Jazz Standards, this is the year of community. And this is where we're really putting this into practice. Excellent community forums. Um, we're calling it the Inner Circle Lounge. And uh, also practice groups that you can form with other people to work on things together and hold each other accountable. So all sorts of really cool things. And I'll be talking about that more uh, in the coming weeks and in the coming month. But just wanted to get your brain going on that because it's something that I really want to invite 
all of you guys to be a part of. It's just something that I believe is super important is having a really strong community. And that's really where I see my course students telling me that they are really getting a lot of value. And that is just having the community of other musicians to motivate them to do work, to practice and to give support and answer questions. Um, And so having access to all these materials together that we can work on together is going to be a powerful thing. So the LGS Inner Circle membership coming up, uh, we are going to be doing a launch to founding members in uh, May, early May. And then we hope that in June, early June, we will be launching this membership to all of you. All right. All right, so that's all for today. Thank you so much for listening. Um, If you'd like to listen to another episode, just go on through the feed, find one you haven't listened to. Uh, Make sure you subscribe to the podcast, share this episode with someone who you think will find it helpful. I appreciate you, and I'll see you next week on another episode of the LGS Podcast. Keep safe, and I'll see you soon. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the LJS Podcast, brought to you by LearnJazzStandards.com. Subscribe to the series on iTunes, and don't forget to join our jazz community at LearnJazzStandards.com forward slash newsletter. Hey, podcast listener, would you like to ask me a jazz question and get it answered here on the show? Then go to learnjazzstandards.com forward slash ask. That's learnjazzstandards.com forward slash ask. I look forward to hearing your question and answering it on a future podcast episode. Learnjazzstandards.com forward slash ask or find the link in today's show notes.